Isn't it funny how we all start off with a plan or conception of what our life and career will look like, but oftentimes we end up in a completely different place than we ever could have dreamed? Well, this is a podcast where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, and entrepreneurs to hear how they handled life's unexpected events. I'm your host, Andrew East. I'm an engineer turned professional athlete turned entrepreneur, and I'm super excited to bring you these stories to help inspire you to reach your dreams, no matter what they look like. Today's talk is a real treat, and personally, I'm geeking out over this guy. Kurt Snyder, graduated from Yale with a math degree, is a master chess player, and now has one of the biggest YouTube channels around. He produces amazing music, and I'd highly recommend you check him out. He goes by Kurt Hugo Snyder on YouTube. Check it out in the show notes down below. His Instagram, which is also down below, is Kurt Snyder. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this one. Kurt Snyder. Kurt, appreciate you being on the show, man. Super pumped to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks for I, having me. I hope you don't mind me telling the people that uh, you're probably one of the most competitive people that I've met. <laughs> we, we have the, we have the privilege of doing game night with, with uh, Kurt and a couple other people in Kurt by far comes in with the best strategy. He's ready to go, and he's like, he's not there to play; he's there to win. So it's great. But uh, thanks, yeah. dude. Yeah, game night—that's how this all happened. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's been a blast, and that's really how we've gotten to know each other. Yeah, game I night. know game night, and it's crazy. Like the number of people I've actually met out here in LA through game night. Really? Yeah, just all the sort of, especially with Rebecca and Matt. Right. Yeah, it's a great way to, to get to know somebody, though. Totally, yeah, it's been really fun. Um, so I was just telling you earlier that you really are. Your story is so incredible that when I first heard it, it was one of the inspirations for me starting this show because originally this show started off as me wanting to sit down with with YouTubers or online influencers, taking them out of the digital realm, putting them on a more traditional mainstream um, platform like a podcast, and yours was like the most unbelievable story and so ultimately now what the show is is career redirection so we all have a plan or an initial trajectory of what we think our life will look like but how have we how have we deviated from that um so i just want to kind of want to start with you telling what your background is how you grew up with your parents because they're they're very interesting. I've had the privilege of meeting your dad, and, and he's a... Also at game night. Yeah, also at game <laughs> night. It all comes back to that. <laughs> yeah, so I would love if you could just totally start us there. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I grew up... When I was in college, I was studying mathematics growing up. Uh, my dad uh, was a mathematician for a while. Um, my mom was an artist. I feel like I'm some weird combination of the two, probably. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I grew up like I was super interested in math. I, I played chess competitively I, I'm, I was a super nerd i still am i still am a huge nerd but um you know when i was in high school i started getting into music more and um taught myself how to play piano and uh we always had like a, a, a keyboard around my my older sister is now a professional piano player wow. so um and meanwhile i just you know i, I try to keep up so <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean in, in college i was I was getting my degree in math, and meanwhile, this platform YouTube was kind of blowing up at the time. This was like 10 years ago, so it was sort of like the infancy of social media and YouTube and, like, internet video. And, um, you know, in college, myself and, and everyone I was hanging out with, we were watching YouTube videos, which back then was, like, it, it actually was back then probably cat videos and, like, people singing in their bedroom. Like, that that was a lot of the stuff on YouTube. Whereas, like, now, it's not that at all. I mean, now, 
every professional company brand whatever is on youtube i mean youtube is really professional video content whereas back then it really was just amateur content so i don't know i was looking at youtube and i, and I was making a lot of music and, and producing stuff with my friends at the time and i thought there was sort of this opening for someone to come in and try to make more kind of produced and like, like i wanted to make music videos that like sounded good and, and and look cool and you know there really wasn't any of that online at the time so that's what i was kind of trying to do and you know I'm, I'm fortunate enough that something took off and got shared around the internet enough and i'm still here doing it so i guess guess it went okay yeah you're you're crushing it too it's really impressive uh, one of the most underplayed things that I came across in researching was you played Carl Magnuson in chess. Yeah, chess. yeah. Uh, Magnus Carlson, if you don't know, is the current uh, world champion. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we played a game at uh, at CES, which is like a electronic showcase thing at Vegas where kind of everyone's showing off like, ah, oh, there's our new 4K, 8K, whatever, curve TV thing. And like, yeah. You just have so many people there. I mean, it's crazy. I think last CES had over 100,000 people. It's it's really insane just how massive the event is. But, yeah, I mean, Magnus was there with some brand that was probably sponsoring him, and he played a bunch of people in chess. I was one of them. Uh, Obviously, I lost, but, (laughs) I mean, it was was an honor to play the world champion. So, Yeah. yeah. I feel super guilty. I called him. Carl Magnus, is that what I said? All Magnus. good. What, <laughs> yeah. All good. Um, you, but you were—that's that, his cool nickname, I think. Now, <laughs> yeah, so okay. we'll go with that. You were—you were a very competitive chess player. Yeah, I was. I played kind of seriously for a bit until I started focusing on music more. But so when was that? Maybe when I was like fifteen, sixteen. So when I was just like super nerd out on chess for a moment. When I was fifteen, I got my master title. I became a master, which is like in chess when your rating is a certain level, you are basically a master at that point. So, uh, I mean, there's, there's things above that too. There's like grandmaster. Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, compare that to like Magnus though. I mean, Magnus, I think was a grandmaster when he was like 13. I'm not sure, but it was something crazy. How do you, how do you, how do you get rated? Like what, what's your rating based off? You play, play tournament games. So basically in chess, you, you, if you go in a tournament, you play games against a bunch of other people who are rated. Let's say you you don't have a rating and you, you wanted to get a rating. You go to a chess tournament and you'll play a game against someone who's rated, you know, 1600 and, you know, forget what that means. It's basically just a, a rating of how good of a chess player they are. And if you win, and, you know, next round you might play someone who's rated, you know, whatever. And then uh, you win that, and then, you know, you lose a game, you whatever. Eventually, after enough games, you'll get a rating. Okay. And then as you keep on playing games, your rating will go up or go down. You lose. I mean, basically, you lose games, your rating goes down. You win games, your rating goes up. But it also depends on the rating your opponent you're playing, you know. It's kind of like if you beat someone who's rated really high, your rating will go up a lot. If you lose to someone who's rated like really far below you, your rating will go down a lot. So, you know. So just based off your experience competing against me at game night, just estimate what is my chess rating right now. Well, I've never is played it- you in. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I, uh, I don't know. It's 
you'd probably have to work a little bit to to bring it up. I, I, get I think smoked, I get <laughs> smoked, no chance. It was it was interesting. All the interviews I watched of you, chess was never mentioned. This is not something that comes up, and it seems like it's been a pretty large part of your life. Yeah, it was until like until I was like fifteen. Chess was probably like my main hobby, you know, as far as what I was mostly doing outside of school. It was probably chess. More so than music up until that point. So Sports or? Nah, not really. No. Yeah. Now, did part of you want to achieve grandmaster status? or? Um, yeah, part of me wanted to do more in chess. But at the same time, it's like, you know, with any activity, there's diminishing returns. Like, if, mm-hmm. you're, if you want to become a great runner, like, you could probably get yourself down to, like, I don't know... I'll probably make a fool of myself by like, <laughs> referencing sports stuff, but you probably get yourself down to a seven-minute mile pretty easy if you're, like, relatively in shape, and then you can get yourself down to a six-minute mile. But if you want to, like, break certain – like, eventually, like, cutting 10 seconds off your mile time takes an enormous amount of work. Like, if you're just starting out, it, it doesn't take probably too much work to cut time off. But eventually, you know, that the effort to get a little bit better is so large. And with chess, it's kind of similar. I mean, eventually I felt like the amount of dedication that I'd have to put into chess to get better was just larger than what I wanted to give. And, you know, I wanted I wanted to do other things. And I was kind of, like, focusing more on music. And it's just like, the if I wanted to become a grandmaster the amount of effort that would have to be put in and with no guarantee that you'd ever reach that goal you know it would just be so large so this is complete side note but i'm curious i'm i'm kind of a outsider's chess geek or at least we'll call him carl magnuson I've (laughs) i've seen everything there is to see on him and it's so interesting because the american chess champion was it the, the guy that went crazy. Um, um, Bobby Fischer? Bobby Fischer. Yeah. The mindset is so... When you talk with a you or a Magnus Carlsen or what I've seen of Bobby Fischer, the mindset is so transcendent from what like I'm used to. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a different way, honestly, of approaching life. Do you feel like that's... Is, is that trained through chess or... Is that just because you guys are all geniuses, or how does that work? Oh, man, I don't know. I certainly won't claim to be anywhere on their level. I'm I'm honored you put me in the same sentence with them. But, man, they're, they're really on another level. Bobby Fischer's probably, I mean, some people might say Magnus is the greatest chess player to ever live. Right. Um, probably objectively he is, but, you know, with any sport, throwing chess in there with, with sports, it's so hard to compare people from different time periods. It's like, yeah, the people nowadays broke records that people had so long ago. But, you know, you give those people so long ago the tools that you have mm-hmm. now, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Bobby Fischer, probably, in my opinion, the greatest chess player ever. Okay. Even though if you bring him at his peak and play him against Magnus at their peak, Magnus would win. But Bobby Fischer didn't have computers. He didn't have any of the tools that you have nowadays to study and train yourself in chess. So. This makes but, me think of another great rivalry. Are you a LeBron or a MJ fan? Uh, I mean, I'd probably have to go with MJ, but I don't really. I mean, I don't follow basketball a crazy amount, but I mean, I'd probably just have to go with MJ. Just I, I think LeBron would probably have to. I don't know if he if he wins a few more, then 
like may- maybe you you switch your vote or something but i mean mj just was, I respect that I respect yeah i mean what what's what's your opinion on that i'm a lebron fan you're lebron like don't get me wrong i do i do love mj but i just feel like lebron is an athletically i've never seen anything like him and i've been in I've been around like some really great athletes, but LeBron, you just look at, and he's on a different level. So I, I just enjoy that that part of him, and, and of course Michael Jordan is great too. But yeah, LeBron is just a beast. Um, have you seen AlphaGo? The, the uh, yeah, princess? totally. Computer that just beat the Go World Champion. Right? Does that freak you out? Um, you know, it it doesn't. I actually, so it's crazy. I, I've like, I've talked with people about like computers and chess or, or computers in anything for a while. And basically I'm kind of of the mindset that, and artificial intelligence is like a whole conversation that like I'm super interested in. I, I love nerding out on that stuff. I basically feel like it was just a matter of time until a computer beat the go world champion. You know, there were people even in chess who 20 years ago were basically saying that a computer could, well, maybe it was more than 20 years ago. 20 years ago is basically when Deep Blue beat Kasparov for the first time. But there are people, you know, you, you go back a little more, who were basically saying a computer could never compete with the top humans in certain games, you know, like Go and chess. Just there's a creativity in a way that humans think that com- a computer will just never be able to capture. And I guess I've never bought that logic. Like to to me, it's it's it. You know, there's there's sort of like a strong AI hypothesis, which is basically anything humans can do. A computer probably can eventually get to that level, um, get to some level of human understanding on whatever it is. Um, but certainly on a, a game, something that's so discreet and like computational, like chess or Go. It's really it's just a matter of time before a computer just completely dominates humans. And now in chess, I mean, it's like you, there's no point having a human play a top computer unless there's some odds given to the human because the, you'll just get blown away. I mean, to put it in comparison with ratings, Magnus Carlsen's rating is 2800, 2800. The approximate rating of like a top chess engine is approaching 4,000. I mean, it's probably like 3,800. So it's just, it, it's on a totally another level, even like a program that you have on your iPhone. Um, if, if someone put a top program on your iPhone, something without much processing power could still beat Magnus. That's how, that's how good computers are. You don't need a super, super computer. Um, yeah. Like everyone can download a program on their laptop that will not just beat, but completely destroy any human in chess. If that's not just like, <laughs> like, like how powerful humans or computers are against humans at these games. But yeah, Go, like, Go was considered such a hard game because you couldn't tackle it the way you could tackle chess. Chess, you could just kind of brute force. I mean, like, each turn, a player has maybe like, you know, 20 to 30 moves possibly. And then, you know, if you kind of multiply that out, it's like, yeah, that that grows pretty quickly. But with a good search algorithm, like a computer can kind of like go down and it just kind of brute force their way. But in Go, there's just, there's too many squares. I mean, it it's so, uh, y- you needed a different strategy. You needed like a different plan of attack. And AlphaGo is just something totally new. I mean, it's, it's, it's machine learning. 
it's not it's not brute force so yeah and now it, it crushes humans so we're <laughs> we're all we're all doomed <laughs> let's get back to music so yeah. you, ta- you taught yourself you taught yourself piano no less yeah yeah i did just watching youtube videos or um now this was actually kind of before youtube i mean i guess like I, I knew what the notes on the piano were and i knew what you know notes on sheet music were so i basically had to book alike songs disney songs and songs alike pop songs whatever and they just kind of started trying to play some of it wow and yeah <laughs> and so then you go to yale yeah study math which is was this inspired by your dad being a mathematician or um i mean yeah my dad was a mathematician and and his dad too actually so it's goes deeper the math blood run, runs know. thick what is like a mathematician look like grown up uh you know what I'm yeah school? like scraggly hair <laughs> <No>. <laughs> briefcase <laughs> Do they are they accountants or I honestly are professors? Yeah, good good question. So, um, if you want to really study math, you probably become a professor at some university, um, and then you know you do your research and you do your work and you have problems that you try to solve. Realistically, a lot of people go into applied math, which means it's it's not really pure math in the sense that you're trying to solve unsolved problems and. You know, applied math is things like uh, statistics, um, analysis. Uh, of, you, you know, you, you could become a financial analyst. You could work for um, some investment firm. You could – there's a lot of things that, that you could do with a math degree where you're not really using any sort of pure aspect of, of the math degree. I mean, it's like there's nothing that you need in higher-level math to – be a research analyst for you know for for anyone um so you, you want to be a financial analyst at like goldman and Sachs. like no there's no use for a higher level math degree i guess all higher level math degree shows is like some ability to think creatively about problems which may be like a little counterintuitive because people don't think of math as creative it's sort of viewed as like an opposite a mm-hmm. counterbalance to creativity but Math at its like pure level is is creative. I mean, if if all, all the really sort of hard problems in math, the unsolved problems, the you know, uh, if someone's going to tackle them, and, and and people do, I mean, people do tackle these problems, and you know, unsolved problems in math get knocked down left and right. And, and if you look at the solutions, um, you know, a lot of times it it, 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 it it's almost like a, a new kind of field or, or you know a, a new way of approaching the problem was, was just kind of created for just this task that can then lead to you know other areas of study and, and other things and um yeah it, it's it's kind of kind of crazy so i studied civil engineering in undergrad and had to take probably four or five calculus classes the worst. <laughs> I'm not sure I got over a C minus. I'm not kidding you. I'm not sure I, I, I got over a C minus on any of those. Man, why but, do you have to take so much calculus for civil engineering? Well, cause, well, you just have to take physics. You have to take chemistry, all this stuff. I'm not sure, actually. I need to ask the people at Vanderbilt that. Wow. That's a good question. <laughs> I am not sure. How many math classes did you have to take? Uh, Well, a bunch. I mean, I was a major. I don't know. Um, 11, 12, 10. Oh, I, I actually, gosh. I don't remember. I mean, it, it was a lot, obviously. 
What were your What were your goals going in studying math? Cause you know, you said you're already producing music. Yeah, like I mean, I I didn't know really. I just math came naturally to me, and it was something I could do. Like without, like it, it sort of enabled me to do music in a way because if I was doing something like history or I I don't know what I would have to put so much time into reading and writing the papers and all that. I mean, math, you really just have like two things that go into your grade in most math classes, and that's the midterm and the final. Mm. Like, that's that's kind of it. I mean, some classes you counted homework, but a, a lot didn't. I mean, most math classes I was in probably didn't even count homework in part of your grade. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you could just do, if you could do well in the midterm and final, then you're fine. So you could spend your time doing whatever you want. I don't want to harp on my failure of college mathematics too much, but I remember get every calculus class, you just get the tests are maybe like a stack of 13 papers and each paper has two problems on it. Just like you have to, that's it. It's two problems. And each is half a sheet to, to fill, to like figure out. I would get the test and I would look at it and all I would do was just rewrite the question, and that's it. I, I, I didn't know where else to take it from there, man. I was in deep trouble. So that's – that's uh, yeah, props to you for doing that. Oh, man. Yeah, unfortunately, math is it's kind of it's tough to BS your way around <laughs> yeah. it because, you know, there yeah. there is an answer. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, but the, the tough part for me too was in high school, I always, like, was a very good listener in the, in the classes. In college – none of my math professors were English. Mm. So I couldn't, and then, and then I should have read the textbook, but I didn't. Um, but I just had a hard time like really piecing it together. I'm not sure if you had that experience or not, but like literally the, the classes that I sat and attended were just me trying to like, like dis- dissect a different, you know, accent. Um, yeah. So, I mean, math is kind of unforgiving in that you sort of either get it or you don't in many ways and you can you can train yourself with a bunch of problems and just which is really the best way to you know, something like calculus like just doing the problems if you can solve the problems then then you're good but um yeah just just may, probably like on something like that just train yourself with a bunch of problems maybe the best way but yeah, yeah it's, it's it kind of sucks because it, no matter how much time you spend on it, you don't get rewarded for that always. Right. What but, Kurt's trying to say is just gently telling me that hey, you're not one of those people that, that gets math. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You, <laughs> you're a lot better than, than me at so many other things. So. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so so you, you start producing these YouTube videos while you're at Yale? Yeah. With your With your very good friend, Sam. Yeah, that was my junior year when I started doing that. Just you and him said, let's do this? Kind Sam, of, Sam yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I I was kind of I, – I had a job also in college working at this recording center on campus um, where, like, honestly, mostly what I did was just fix the printer and, like, get people's headphones to work. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they had, they had a great recording studio there. And uh, I had basically 24-7 access to this building. And – a certain amount of time I had to sit there anyway for my job. And, um, yeah, I started like teaching myself how to use these recording programs and 
um, you know, using their cool mics that they had <laughs> locked mm-hmm. up and, um, and yeah, just trying, trying to make some, some cool things. And I, I asked some friends of mine to sing on tracks. Sam was one of them. We did a lot of stuff together and yeah, just threw it up on the internet. Hope that someone liked it. You and Sam have your own deep backstory. Yeah. So we, bit. we went to middle school and high school together. And so, college. And college. Yeah. We were, we were a year apart um in school and uh i met sam on the uh school bus really we also lived like one one street down from each other so it was kind of crazy we we met uh literally bus to local local public school when i was i was seventh grade sam was sixth grade so because middle school was you know six to eight uh and uh yeah i met sam when I was beginning of seventh grade, and this little kid got on the bus after after my stop. A little kid. Well, yeah. <laughs> so actually, he, I, don't, I don't know if he wants to go into it. He, Sam was a little larger. Oh, okay. Then, okay. But, we don't have to touch on that. But, but yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, though, props to Sam because he, like, he. I don't know if he wants me to talk about this, but it only looks good on him. Like, he totally turned his weight around. Like, mm. in a year, he went from being quite large, to, like, put it mildly, to, um, I mean, you know, you, you've seen Sam, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, he's looks great. Mm-hmm. Like, in, in a year, he, like, turned turned that all around. He had, like, a whole regimen, and, you know, I, I don't know exactly what he was doing, but, like, anyone who has the dedication to just like turn their fitness around like that you know like all the power to them nice i did not know that it's cool how you two have made each other kind of you know like in a lot of ways obviously you're both extremely talented in your own right but your collaborations sam for these of you don't know is an amazing uh musician yeah mainly singer is that fair to say mainly singer but but he's just a super talented all-around musician you know he plays a, a bunch of things too um and you know now, like he he edits his own videos and things. I mean, like he he's a super talented guy. So, wow. At what point when you're at Yale, junior junior year, you start making videos? At yeah. what point you're like, well, I'm not going to be a mathematician anymore. This um, is. you know, the, like the weird thing is, even though I was majoring in math, I don't think I, yeah, I I, I never even thought I I guess that I was going to be a mathematician. Like I I knew I never wanted to be a professor. I knew I never wanted to work at a university. Um, I mean, work at like as an analyst somewhere like on Wall Street or something like maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe if YouTube didn't work out, like maybe I would be doing that. I'm I'm not really not sure. But certainly by the beginning of my senior year, we had one video that kind of like took off. Uh, It was this mashup of Michael Jackson songs. It was a couple months after he passed away. And I arranged this like acapella mashup of like, you know, 20 or something of his hits with like, you know, some Jackson 5 songs in there too. And, and it's all in this like three minute like acapella thing. And I got Sam What's to sing. About, yeah, 12 Sam Sueys in it. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Bunch of Sam Sueys duplicated, <laughs> singing all the parts. And um, that was the first video that you could say went like viral, I guess. And, you know, there really was like this one moment where it got posted somewhere and you know i had at that time my phone would 
get in like an email whenever uh, I got a new subscriber. So like, and it was kind of motivation. There were only like a couple of them a day. So, you know, it was like, ah, yeah, I got two today. <laughs> new subscribers. <laughs> but this, it was like, you know, starting at like whatever it was, 317. It's like there were eight people that subscribed this minute. So it's like, that's how you know, well, something happened. Like it got posted somewhere, you know? And then that didn't really stop for like that whole day. I got like 800 subscribers that day, which to me at the time, that was like crazy. So yeah, that was like the start of it. That was when it was, you know, if you could build up this audience, then there's, there's a business there, which has always kind of been one of my, like, I guess philosophy is like to put it to like grandly, but you know, if you have an audience, it really doesn't matter what it is you're doing. Like you could be posting pictures on Instagram. You could be playing games on Twitch, like whatever you're doing or whatever the platform, if you have enough people who are watching you, there's a business there. Mm -hmm. Like there's that, that's, that's, that's a business opportunity. So could be on Snapchat, could be on whatever in the world the next platform is that comes up. But if you have enough enough eyeballs on you, then that that's a business. Well, you're now at not 800 subscribers, but ten and a, over 10.5 million subscribers. Has the novelty of an excitement of that worn off? Um, I mean, it's still crazy to me that it's it's all from just uploading things on the internet. Uh, it's it's enabled me to do so much, and it's opened up you know, just so many doors for me. So I don't know. I, I don't know if the novelty of that will ever really wear off in some ways, but, um, yeah, I just feel so lucky, you know, do you, I don't know the answer to this, but do you know how many YouTube creators are above 10 million subscribers? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I definitely could be looked up. So, I but like I, I don't know off the top of my head. An elite group. For sure. <laughs> for sure. It also depends on if you count like, People like, I don't know, Katy Perry Vivo or yeah. like, you know, Sony Music or I, I don't know, like people who aren't sort of homegrown YouTube. But that'd be an interesting question. Like how many sort of maybe channels that are run by like a person mm-hmm. have over that? I, I don't know. Could look it up, but I'm not sure. You graduate from Yale, move out to L.A. right away and just start doing this? I took a year. On the East Coast before moving out. And um, now the reason for that was, so first of all, Sam was a year behind me. And I was doing so much stuff with Sam at that point. Sam still had a year left to get his degree. So one, I wanted to stay behind and do some more work with Sam. Two, I still had 24-7 access to this recording studio. And I didn't have any of my own equipment at the time. Um, And also... To call it a recording studio actually kind of undersells what it did. They rented cameras for free to students. I mean, like, the resources that you had because you were a student were great. Would rent out lights, could rent out little audio recorders. Like, they had a bunch of little things that you could just pick up for free for your projects. And, you know, as long as you brought it back in one piece. So, you know, obviously, I didn't want to lose that considering I didn't own any of my own stuff. And, like, audio equipment is expensive. Um, you know, nowadays it, it's maybe a little bit less so. All this stuff, you know, over time, the entry point to get to a, a professional level drops and drops, which is great. 
um, makes it more accessible to so many people. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have, I didn't have equipment. I didn't really have the money to buy it. And I had 24 seven access to all this great stuff. I had Sam another year and, uh, I slept on a couch for that year on my friend's couch. That was, that was my living situation for that year after college. Lived on a couch, worked on YouTube and, uh, was basically kind of curled up in this uh, music lab space. <laughs> then I came out to LA. Is when did it, when did you realize it could become a full time thing? Was this right when you started, um, like revenue wise or income wise? So we weren't making money directly from YouTube, uh, even when we had a lot of views, because you know music has always had its own struggles of you know rights Mm -hmm. and you know if a lot of stuff like like that michael jackson video you know we're using michael jackson songs they're the songs are owned by sony atv and you know whoever and you know so we're getting claims on our videos from from all these groups so you know we we weren't really able to monetize directly the ad revenue from views for quite a while um certainly those first few years we weren't really making any money from ads but we were making money from iTunes downloads. So that was sort of our first revenue stream was we would put the stuff that we put on YouTube up on iTunes. And um, we had a guy who handled, you know, all the licenses with like, cause a lot of the stuff was covers and, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, he would handle licenses and paying out the original publishers, their share. And then we would get a check every month and, you know, it, obviously at first it wasn't that big, but it started being big enough where we could, you know, pay rent and, you know, pay our expenses and stuff like that. So, you know, I figure if you're paying your bills with with this, then there's there's something there. So, mm-hmm. and I wanted to grow it. So, this Sam's not the only person you've collaborated with. Um, you've done videos and, and songs with so many people and this i don't want to get into fan questions yet we're almost there but uh Sav- savoy nicole uh-huh. wants to know as do i can you just name off three to five of your favorite people you've collaborated with uh let's see aside from um, sam who's totally yeah. let's see uh i did a t-pain mashup with t-pain that's amazing that was right after we met you that that was so much fun (laughs) and yeah he actually has just an incredible voice which most people like don't know yeah totally (laughs) he's a crazy singer um it was actually really interesting talking with him because it's like you're so good you know you you don't need to have autotune but he's like you know at the time if i was just good there were so many good singers who were like like he kind of has this naturally soulful voice when he's just like singing by himself it's like there's so many good singers who just have a soulful voice and you know whatever that's not enough like i did the autotune to stand out and be different so you know it really was kind of like a creative choice for him rather than that you know he needed it to to sound in tune so in any case uh what we did was <laughs> The mashup of a bunch of his songs, and it's sort of like this piano ballad while he's singing, like, you know, I'm in love with a stripper and bartender and, you know, what, whatever. So it, it was kind of, yeah, that, that was just so much fun. He was super chill to work with. Uh, man, who else? Uh, I've done a 
a bunch of these like one take videos with Victoria Justice that did really well. Um, she was great to work with, and they're like actually some of my favorite videos on my channel. Were were those ones with her? I think I've done three, unless I'm forgetting one. Yeah, I think I've done three. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, let's see what else. I did I did one crazy one take at the YouTube space with Jason Mraz and Hunter Hayes, mm. um, which was was a lot of fun. Um, there were it was one of these things where there were a bunch of like you know YouTubers in, involved too, and uh, for whatever reason they asked me to direct the thing, so <laughs> I'm honored they did. But yeah, I'm very curious. Well, the production of your videos is amazing, and Thanks, it seems like you take a lot of pride in that, and you saw. An, the niche as you said to to really add that component to it yeah your latest style seems to be the one takes is that right or is that yeah. how always kind of been the well i mean no nah, it hasn't hasn't always been the thing but um but yeah i definitely i, I love doing this so one takes is for the duration of the whole song it's just it's an uncut clip of the whole song and and but it's artistically amazing because you'll have people running across the room so it looks like like the Matt Matt and uh, Madeline Bailey video. Totally, yeah. It, was, it looked like there was twelve Kurtz around, so it was great. Um, but so that clearly doesn't take a lot of editing once once that's done. The composing of a mel medley or or whatever. Totally. Is, how I'm curious how long. What percentage of time does that take up? Um. Yeah, I guess it depends on. So if it's some, like, complicated mashup where I'm, like, trying to throw in, you know, 10 songs or something, uh, I'll probably start at the piano, and I'll just, like, work on that for a few hours and try to get, you know, my ideas down just with, you know, piano and, like, me humming along and get some, you know, Google Doc file going. He's a genius. He's a genius. <laughs> I'm just – I can't even imagine how to do that. Oh, man, you know, I, I guess if – if 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 you've done it enough, I, I'm sure you'd 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 find like you'd find your own method too if you worked on it enough. I I don't know, so I guess this is this is just my method. Mm -hmm. And um, start on piano, get something down, bring it into the computer, um, lay down the piano, lay down the melody really quick, and then build the track around that. And um, yeah, I don't know. Go from there. Send out this. To the singers, man, there have been some horrible, like, just demo scratch vocals that I sent out to the singers. So, yeah, whoever I have coming in, sometimes I'll send them, like, a version with, like, myself singing both parts. Typically, it's, like, a guy and a girl or, or whatever. For something like that, that one with, with Matt and Maddie, it, where it's just, like, a cover, like, no need. But for some of these mashups, like, they need to, to learn it, especially if we're going right. to film it right after they're recording so yeah i'll send them like a little little rough version of me singing it <laughs> but you do do vocals yeah sometimes yeah i mean i've done some videos with just me singing but um yeah you usually my videos are like starring someone else yeah which you know yeah yeah what's a day in the life look like for you um well let's see i mean today for example <laughs> uh i got uh, some video planning session thing after after this, and uh, just I, I got two shoots the next two days, uh, one tomorrow, one on Thursday, and um, you know just planning out how how going to make those work. Uh, the one on Thursday is a little bit more involved, 
So, uh, yeah, just planning that video. And then after that, I'm recording with this violinist um, for something. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's always it's a mix of video and editing and uh, recording. And Do you do maybe, all this yourself? I do a lot of it myself still, yeah. I have uh, – typically editing is something I'll pass off to um, one of, you know, two people usually um, – who will just take a stab at, at editing the videos. But there's still actually some videos uh, I edit myself, and in fact, one of them I still have to do. So maybe at some point, I'll, I'll maybe this evening, I'll get a stab on, on that. But yeah, I don't know. I I guess most people who like do YouTube, they're just so used to like wearing all the hats, mm-hmm. being like, you know, the, the videographer and the post-production person and often the on-camera guy too. And, um, you know, they, they're just used to, to doing all that. So this has been the biggest mind shift that I've had to really walk into as I've re- enjoyed YouTube and we've been doing it more is take the one takes you do, for example. From an outsider looking in, it's like, oh, well, he just filmed the four minute clip. That probably didn't take a lot of time to throw together. But... As he was just saying, the the video planning that he's doing a meeting with, for the for the big professional YouTubers like you are, the amount of planning in every single detail is truly inspiring and amazing. And I think a lot of people take it for granted. It's it's been really really cool to see. But a question I always ask everybody that's on the show is the team and the community of support around you i feel like is a is a big part of all of um the people i interview's success i'm curious to hear what your team looks like you said you wear a lot of hats but i'm aware that your your dad and you totally um my dad works with me which is great um he's you know handles uh all the finance and um a lot of the, the business side of it uh it allows me to like focus more on the creative stuff which is great um, I have a couple guys who are typically videographer editors and, um, you know, project to project will bring someone on in that role typically. And, uh, let's see, I got, uh, kind of one guy right now who, who works with me on some audio things. So, um, uh, might do a first pass on some stuff or, or whatever, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff where, like, like there's a video that I, I have where I actually filmed it, and I'm gonna do the edit on it just because that that's how it worked out on that one. And um, you know, there's still a lot of times where I, it's kind of like the good old days where I'm <laughs> like I'm just doing it. But it's massive enterprise now, so props to you. Um, one more question, then we'll get into fan questions. For me in my football career, I, I think back. Uh, you know, 10 years ago when I was in high school and the excitement of all these new uncharted territories I hadn't um, achieved yet or these goals I hadn't achieved yet. And now having been in the NFL for four years, which honestly has, you know, been a wild journey. I never expected to be there at all. Um, the The novelty of it has worn off a little bit do you still have the passion for music that you did you've been doing this for nine years now yeah 
You do. Um, do I still have the passion for music? Yeah. I mean, like, I still love music. Music is just this magical thing. You know, it, it's weird how everyone has this connection with music. You know, different types of music for different people. But how music just, like, moves people and, and evokes emotion out of, out of everyone. That's it, it, It's sort of almost interesting, you know, just, like, what in our brains just needs music. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone kind of has this, like, need for music in some ways. But... And I think I'll always have a passion for that. Um, I mean, certainly with YouTube, as with anything, there's like ups and downs. And, uh, you know, I think regardless of what whatever happens with, with YouTube, the passion for music I'm, I'm always going to have. Okay, fan questions. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's just go. All right, we'll start off with this. Carrie Sunderborg wants to know what book has had the biggest impact on you? Oh, man. Let's see. Well, uh, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't read a book in (laughs) quite some time now. But um, let's see. I guess thinking about all the things I had to read in high school and which one kind of left the biggest impact on me. uh, There's a part B. Maybe part B would be it would be a little easier for you what part of the job do you find most fulfilling is it the the composing of it the filming of it the collaboration of it probably uh you know it's weird looking at the final product after it's all done it's great no but probably actually the music i I love i love kind of the arranging of uh especially if it's like a mashup just kind of the arranging of of the, the the part of the job when i'm just sitting at the piano and i'm figuring out how all these songs fit together like little puzzle pieces as far as favorite book you know a book i I read when i was super young i think i was in fifth grade at the time was uh the pearl by john steinbeck Uh, have you ever read it i'm not sure i have i mean man like spoiler alert right here but uh (laughs) but uh i mean basically it's this guy he who's you know this poor fisherman like he finds this this huge pearl inside this clam or oyster or whatever it is and uh you know th- this this is like life changing for his family but basically this huge pearl it brings him nothing but but horrible things mm-hmm. so you know now everyone just wants like a piece of him and like the doctor makes his kid sick just to kind of ex- extort money out of him and you know it, it it ends with like his kid getting shot and killed and he tosses the pearl back into the ocean that that's the whole book right there. It's kind of you know his story with this pearl, and well, especially as a little kid, like reading this, it just that yeah that that left like a, a just a huge impact on me. I don't know. Wow, I'm pretty. Sure, I think in fifth grade I was still just reading picture books. So that's some dense. That's a dense storyline right there. Yeah, it's 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 dark. Why has that had such a big impact on you? I'm curious. You know, I think it was probably the first time that I read a book that was kind of dark in that way. And it, it probably like it was probably the first book I read that wasn't like uh, and I don't know, like what, what books do you read when you're like in a Harry little Potter. kid? Yeah, like Harry Potter, or, like something or. You know, some fantasy story or, or whatever. So it was probably like the first first one I read that was like, I, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I just, I, I never forgot it. And, you know, uh, just how, yeah, it, it's it's weird how fortune, like like what 
what is going to have a, a big positive impact on your life and the things that you think are going to have a big positive impact on your life um you know maybe it doesn't turn out that way in reality so yeah i guess enjoy enjoy what what you have you know while while, while you have it what do you think will have a big impact on your life getting real deep here. oh man you know i got to say i i truly love life i feel like um you know I've been so fortunate job-wise. I got an amazing, loving family, um, you know, great friends. I, I have an awesome girlfriend, um, and, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just I feel really fortunate and just, like, I, I don't need anything hmm. right now for my, like, emotional happiness. That's it's a very fine balance between being content, but also a guy like you balancing that with your ambitions and your goals. Yeah. I'm curious what your goals are now. Um, now you've built uh, above 10 and a half million subscribers. You have a, such a loyal fan base. You've been on tours. Yeah. Good around question. The world. Um, you know, I, I do sometimes get asked some variation of like the, where do you see yourself in five years mm -hmm. question or, you know, what's down the road. And I honestly don't know. I've never had a good answer. Um, if like five years ago I tried to imagine where I'd be today, I don't think I could. And yeah, like uh, I, I don't know. And I, honestly, I, I'm not really sure what's next for me. Hmm. But I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, we got some hard hitters now. Oh, please bring gotta, bring them. Um, yeah, Gabby with one B wants to know what's your favorite kind of sandwich. Oh man! <laughs> Ooh, well, uh, Gabby, so I'm allergic to peanuts. What? Yup. So instead of peanut butter and jelly, I always did almond butter and jelly. Oh, delicious! So yeah. Delicious. So that that's got so much nostalgia for me. <laughs> Um, Kathy Gardner wants to know what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Who? Uh, banana. Okay. Actually, Chunky Monkey. That's that Ben and Jerry's flavor that's like banana, but it's got the dark chocolate and the, like, the walnuts or whatever in there. Of all the things we've talked Ooh. about, I haven't seen them light up like he just did about, <laughs> Chunky, about Monkey. Chunky Monkey. <laughs> um, okay, last one. Phillips Fan Bam, which is a YouTuber themselves, um, Pretty pretty good following, but they want to know the best advice on growing your YouTube channel. Totally. Um, got a few things, but probably, um, you know, finding a niche, I think, is pretty important. Like, finding something that's just different than what's already out there, uh, which is probably a lot harder nowadays just because there's so much more stuff online. But I know when I was starting, like, that really was kind of my motivation in the beginning. It's just, yeah, there's not so much people who are just like random dudes producing professional looking music videos. Not that my stuff back then was too, too, too professional looking, but, you know, stuff that was kind of this ground between, you know, people just recording themselves singing in their bedroom and like Sony and Universal uploading their music videos with their artists. So, you know, there wasn't anything there. I, I wanted to kind of fill that gap. And then all the stuff about, like, be consistent and, like, upload regularly and yada, yada. Right, and, right, like, right. 
you know, put your whole life into it and don't <laughs> sleep. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I actually lied. Michael Andrew, who was a previous guest on the show, um, an amazing swimmer, actually just won a bunch of titles at nationals, um, wants to know what your purpose is. Mm. So you mentioned you enjoy life, but yeah, you're driving. Um, I mean, I guess also when, when I like made videos, like I wanted to make videos that people would have, you know, some sort of reaction to, like I wanted to put stuff out there that made people feel, you know, a certain way, whether it's happy or, um, you know, wowed or, um, you know, kind of the, the best like fan response that we can get is, you know, someone sending us a message being like, I was going through a tough time, but like I, I listened to your stuff and it, you know, it really helped me out. Mm. Like that's where it's, it's, it's more than just like numbers on a screen as far as views go. It's like, you know, there's actually, you know, people at the end of it, every view is, is someone somewhere, you know, even if we're just sitting behind a computer. So mm. going to shows, I think kind of brings that out, especially to, you know, just like actually seeing fans and seeing people light up and, um, yeah, it's just to- totally different energy. But I, I think that that really kind of keeps me going is, you know, knowing that the, there's actually people out there who, who listen and, uh, you know, want stuff. How often do you do live shows? Um, well, I'm going to Taiwan actually in, so, in, a, in a week. So, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like a longer tour, uh, haven't done a longer tour in, in a little bit now. But um, do a lot of these like little one-off shows. Nice. What percentage cover versus originals do you do now? Uh, on YouTube? Yeah. Uh, yeah, in general. Yeah. Um, it's still more covers. I guess actually, I mean, a lot of it is like these mashups, which is sort of this like hybrid weird thing of where it's covers, but it's done in a way that, you know, people have never heard before. But yeah, it, it's it's still mostly covers. Do you consider mashups covers? Um, the grade, the I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, honestly, it feels more like, yeah, it, it's just this weird hybrid because there's like original aspects to it where, you know, you're you're putting these things, these little pieces together, and then often you're just adding your own music underneath because, you, you know, I mean, you're taking so many songs. The music bed is not really from any one song. It's just. Um, something that you think is going to work with all the kind of melodies on top. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's aspects of sort of original composition with sort of like, I, I don't know, cover-ish type things. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. Three pieces of advice for for people out there listening. Oh, man, let's see. Uh, it Life advice? Yeah, could be anything. I'm opening it way up to you. It could be life, business, whatever you want. A guy like you has such a wide array of experiences, such a deep, I feel like, understanding of, a, of honestly, life. I've, I really enjoy. Oh, man, you might be giving me too much credit no, now, but I'll gladly no, take it. I gotta tell you, as you're thinking, I've really, really enjoyed getting to know you, and I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, sit here and, and act like we know each other very well, but we have spent maybe a dozen times hanging out. Totally. And your demeanor is, is really impressive and your acceptance of, I mean, the first time we met you, I felt like, oh, it was like Kurt and I are friends. I, I had no idea who you were, but it was like Kurt and I are friends. I like that guy. Hell yeah. Um, 
So I've been impressed with that. But also, you're very, very thoughtful. And that's that's honestly had an impact on me. So thank you for that. But Dude, man, that, that of was course. A, that was a segue into now you. Now, now you I'm bet. supposed to <laughs> yeah. drop some life wisdom. Uh, okay, let, 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 let me think. I mean, I guess when I was starting out on YouTube, I had like a philosophy, which was just say yes, um, which, you know, I, I think basically here, here, here's what it meant. Like someone asks you like, Hey, can, um, you do this video project with me? Like, just say yes. Like if I, I, I mean, when I, especially when I was in college, college is like the time to like, just say yes and just find, find what you truly love doing. Yeah. I, I, I guess now, nowadays when like, you know, life seems to become so busy and so like cluttered with other things, college is kind of this like weird free moment in time when you just like, it's your job to be a student. Like what? <laughs> I mean, um, but, um, yeah, I, I had a philosophy of just like, you know, if, if someone asked me to do something, I, I would try to do it. And, um, I think it, it really kind of what, it, like it got me into filmmaking It got me into meeting so many crazy musicians. And, um, I mean, I usually think of myself as a, a pretty chill person. It takes a, a, like a lot, I think, to get me riled up or offended or, or anything like that. You know, I just, I feel like, I, I just feel very happy with with the world and, you know, at least my very small piece of it. Like, just just try to try to relax, be calm, and you know, be zen with everything around you, and. uh I don't know if that that's really a, a piece of advice or more like a like philosophy that I've had. I mean, I like that quote. I think it's from. All right, yeah, I've always loved this Michael Jordan quote. Um, I've missed more than nine thousand shots in my career. I've lost almost three hundred games. Twenty six times I've been trusted to take the game winning shot and missed. Michael Jordan, like that's Michael Jordan saying that. Like, and he's not afraid to just get up there and take the next shot, you know? So, like, if, if that is, you know, the at least one of the greatest, you know, the greatest <laughs> or one of the greatest of all time saying that, then, like, who who am I to not take a shot if I'm giving it? So, you know, I think you can't be afraid to just go out there and, and try something and, uh, you know, just go for it. Wow. So, Kurt, yeah. thanks for your time, man. Dude, thank you, man. That was great. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Ha. Huh. Until the <laughs> next game night. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>